The book of Hosea, starting in chapter 11, we should finish the book today. In this chapter, God talks about his love for his people Israel and also kind of their history. He starts out, When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they called them, the more they went from them. They kept sacrificing to the balls and burning incense to idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. So he's speaking of his love, how he's taken them from nothing, and yet they've turned from him. But even with them completely turning away from him at every step, he says, starting in verse 8, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar. And his sons will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. Ephraim surrounds me with lies, and the house of Israel with deceit. Judah is also unruly against God, even against the Holy One who is faithful. So he says, even though he brings judgment, and he has to do away with the waywardness of his people, he loves his people, and he has a plan to bring his people out of their their worldly and evil fallen ways, so that he has a pure people. He loves them too much to not bring forth his plan. And then we move into chapter 12. He starts out by telling Israel, which is also called Ephraim, that he feeds on wind. He pursues the east wind continually, and he multiplies lies and violence. And he makes a covenant with Assyria and Egypt instead of turning to the Lord. He says he's also got issues with Judah, but then he quickly comes back to Israel. Uh, Jacob, of course, is the father of all Israel and Judah. And says he will punish him according to his ways. Then he reminds them of, of his father, that his father had a, a very contentious, deceitful life early on, but he continually sought God no matter what. He wrestled with the angel for the favor of God, and he prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. Therefore, he says to the people, return to your God, observe kindness and justice, and wait for your God continually. A merchant in whose hands are false balances he loves to oppress. He's talking about Ephraim or Israel again. He says, Surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself. and all my labors they will find in me no iniquity, which would be sin. So he's equating the fact that he's rich and successful in worldly ways with no sin. This is the kind of the heart of man. But God reminds him. He says, I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt. I will make you live in tents again, as in the days of the appointed festival. I have all, so this is a Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths he's referring to. The uh, fall, the major fall feast, it's usually uh, around October. As in the days of the appointed festival, I have also spoken to the prophets and I gave numerous visions and through the prophets I gave parables. Is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they're worthless. In Gilgal they sacrifice bulls. Yes, their altars are like the stone heaps beside the furrows of the field. He's telling the people, I've, I've been with you through all these difficulties, through all these trying times. I was there. Yet they've continued to turn to worthless things. He says in 12, Now Jacob fled to the land of Aram, and Israel worked for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. 
But by a prophet the Lord brought Israel from Egypt, and by a prophet he was kept. Ephraim was provoked to bitter anger, so his Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and bring back his reproach to him. So he's saying, in order for Jacob to be blessed, he had to go and work through extremely difficult times. And he he sort of reaped what he sowed in his uh, trickiness and ma- manipulation because he, he got it back to him. But then only a few generations of prophet, this is Moses, brought Israel from Egypt. And by a prophet, he was kept. And so his family, a few generations later, was huge and prosperous and came out of slavery. The Lord blessed him and led him into a good place, the promised land. But then Ephraim provoked to bitter anger, and the Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and bring back his reproach to him. So Ephraim's come back to the the evil that the family had come out of. And then we're on to chapter 13. This chapter starts out speaking of the pride of Ephraim. He says, When Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel, but through Baal he did wrong and died. So he was proud and puffed himself up, yet he turned to other gods and so faces death for it. And more and more, just generation to generation, they turn farther and farther away from God. So God says they will be like the dew which soon disappears, like chaff which is blown away from the threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except for me. He says there's punishment for these ways, but how have you gone these ways? I've been with you and I've shown you the hand of blessing. How could you turn to other gods? He, I've talked about this pattern over and over again, and here God brings it up again in 5. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. So you're in a place of wilderness and drought. You had nothing. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied. So once I gave them a blessing and being satisfied, their heart became proud. They became satisfied and proud after I blessed them. I took them from nothing and gave them something, and they turned away from me. Therefore, they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. He says that you can't handle the blessing. So I will be a lion to you. Like a leopard, I will lie in wait by the wayside. I will encounter them like a bear robbed of her cubs, and I will tear open their chest. There I will also devour them like a lioness, as a wild beast would tear them. It is your destruction, O Israel, that you are against me, against your help. Where now is your king, that he may save you in all your cities, and your judges of whom you requested? Give me a king and a prince and princes. So remember, this is in the when they were first brought into the promised land, they had no king for the first 400 years. They were God was to be their only king, but they demanded to be a king so they could be like the people of the nations around them. This is worldliness. When the people of God want to fit in with the people around them, this is exactly what the people of God did in the time of the judges. They said they demanded to Samuel, give us a king. So he says, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. So this is Saul, who is the first king of Israel. The pains of childbirth come upon him. He is not a wise son, for it is not the time that he should delay at the opening of the womb. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol? So he kind of turns away from talking about Saul. But he basically said, I I gave you a a king and he turned away from me. It, It did not work out well for you that you demanded this worldly way. But I gave you what you wanted, and I even turned it around for good. I gave Saul was the king everyone wanted, David was the king nobody wanted, but David was a great king. So even in in that waywardness, I restored you and gave you something good, a good king. But even in that, you turned away from me. 
And he ends the, the, with the last verse 16. Samaria will be held guilty, for she has rebelled against her God, for they will fall by the sword. Their little ones will be dashed in pieces, and their pregnant women will be ripped open. So he's basically saying, because you're continually turning away from me, uh, all your sin will be, will be reaped onto your head. And then we're on to the last chapter 14. But there's always a promise with the judgment, and that's where he starts here. He, he, all the people of God, in this case Israel, has to do is return to God. He says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again our God to the works of our hands. For in you the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostles. So he's saying, turn back to God. Turn up. The two major things he's complained about here is relying on worldliness of a foreign king and uh, the evil of seeking other gods beside him. He says, turn away from those two things. Turn back to me. He said, nor will we say again our God to the work of our hands. So rather than seeing any blessing that we receive as being from our own work, rather than we turn to God and realize it is all from Him. For in you the orphan finds mercy. So you've gone about as an orphan not knowing who your father is, but now come back to your father and you will find mercy. And for I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from them. See, it's not God's desire to be angry or to bring judgment. He's just, as he explained up earlier, it's the only way to get attention, a fallen man. And he says, I, I tried blessing you, but you just turned away from me. And so I will bring judgment so that you will realize that I am your God and I want to give you blessing upon blessing. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily and he will take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout and his beauty will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like the, ch the cedars of Lebanon. Those who live in his shadow will again raise grain and they will blossom like the vine. So again, themes that we see throughout the Bible. We, we talked earlier, Jesus talking about the kingdom being like a great tree from a tiny mustard seed. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had that same vision of this mighty tree that, that was a blessing to many. We see the cedar of Lebanon being the same thing here. Those who live in his shadow will again raise grain and then blossom like the vine. So now we talk about the mighty vineyard that produces good fruit. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. So you see a people actually realizing who is their true God and turning away from false gods, false, false ideas, false theologies, false worldly ways that do not satisfy. It is I who answer and look after you. I am like a luxuriant cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. So we've got many themes Hosea uses that are, that are you know, repeated throughout the Bible. The, the, the strongest theme which Hosea is sort of known for is having a wife go off uh, with other men and then Hosea having to take her back and then loving her and giving her everything even though he previously cared for her in every way give her a good life she turned away from him towards other men but he brought her back and in the same way God says okay you have been unfaithful 
You have been a harlot, but I will bring you back. Just turn back to me. And then we see the other themes of of a, a desolate place turning into a, a vine, a vineyard with good fruit and good wine. He says, I will take you from the wretched place and make you a beautiful place, a beautiful people living in a beautiful place. I will do all this for my people. So here we have the promises of God. And in this last verse is, if you're wise, understand these things. These don't just apply to a long ago people, but they apply to the people of God wherever they may be found. That they turn, if you are discerning, then you should understand and know these things. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble. So I said there's always two different paths. If you understand what God is saying and what He's doing, you will choose to walk in His ways, and you will find blessing. But others will stumble on these things. So choose rightly. Choose well. And that is the book of Hosea. And this is the last recording on my little family vacation. So... I should have a little more, <laughs> probably got a little background noise and birds in this one, but uh, it's early morning at a hotel in Amarillo. God bless you.